أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله صلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته so alhamdulillah we are at surah al-tathak al-takathir today surah number 102 and um, before we begin just to refresh to you on what's going on really in terms of the mushaf and the order of the surahs now so like i told you there's four surahs that make up a cluster in this part of the quran now who remembers what are what's that cluster is those four surahs surah al-zalzala then al-adiyat and then al-qari'a and then Al-Hakum Al-Takathur. These four have a lot in common, okay? And they're, they're basically making up a group now. And we also talked about uh, the sequence. So Surah Al-Zalzala is talking about the Day of Judgment, right? Zooming out on the Day of Judgment, something that's going to happen in the future. Then all of a sudden, what happened in Surah Al-Adiyat? Allah subhanahu zooms in on the insan, right? إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لِرَبِّهِ لَكَنُودٍ he brings us back into this world, zooming into our hearts. That verily the human being is disloyal, he is ungrateful. And then again, in Surah Al-Qari'ah, it zoomed out, day of, day of judgment, back in the future. That, you know, some people, they will have no weight on the day of judgment, whereas others will have a weight. Remember that? And... Now what's happening in Surah Al-Takathur, Allah is zooming back into the human being and telling us what is our real problem. Why did we deserve Al-Qari'ah? Why did we deserve Fa'ummuhu Hawiyah? The one who is diving into the hellfire. Why? Because of Al-Hakum Al-Takathur. It's coming up now in this surah. So it's connected to the previous surah. And just to recap on the main lessons and objectives of Surah Al-Qari'ah, were that we discussed the idea of balance, right? There's a lot of confusion. People don't realize that there's no such thing as balance of good deeds on the Day of Judgment versus balance of bad deeds. Bad deeds have no balance. So the only balance technically you have is balance of good deeds. All balance of bad deeds mean nothing. Allah said that the mountain will be like cotton that's just flying. It's worthless. It doesn't have any value. The other thing we mentioned is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is concerned about quality of our deeds. What's the intention behind the deeds? What kind of akhlaq were behind that deed? It's not about quantity, it's about quality. And therefore, the more quality you have, the more your intention is pure, the more khuluq hasan you have, the more weight it will be. Even if it's 100 fils in sadaqah, if you have the right intention, it could be of more weight on the Day of Judgment than someone who's giving a million dinars, but with the wrong intentions. It's all about intention, it's all about quality. And subhanAllah, you know, just to give you a small example, I remember this example that happened to me about 10 years ago. I was in the haram in, uh, for Umrah. I think it was my first experience in Umrah. And you know, it's very crowded in Umrah, right? So you sometimes walk in front of people unintentionally. And I was still a beginner, I had no clue much about deen and stuff. So I'm walking and all of a sudden, Accidentally, I'm walking in front of this really old man who's praying, right? And so he literally, like with his arm, hit my leg so hard, I really got a bruise on my ankle. Because, you know, he felt, I mean, he was trying to do the right thing, right? For him, the right thing was to stop me from crossing in front of him. You're supposed to do this. What did he do? He literally, you know, tried to break my ankle again. Okay? And it hurt so much. And I was shocked that this man, subhanAllah, yani, he... 
he hasn't gotten the formula right, right? He's thinking about his own ibadah. He's thinking that he needs to perfect his salah and anything that comes in between to ruin his salah, he's going to destroy it. This is the wrong understanding of deen, right? And so, subhanAllah, I mean, this, how does this man expect that Allah will accept his prayer? His akhlaq are completely messed up and he's praying to Allah. Ya Allah, forgive me, I'm your slave. It's contradicting, right? And we give the example of people who, just to kiss the Hajar al-Aswad, they literally, you know, elbow people, punch people, nearly kill people. Why? They want to do that act of good deed, of kissing the Hajar, or even if people would die. Who cares? I want to get the Ajr. So we've gotten this concept completely messed up. We need to focus on our akhlaq because like I said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not accept our deeds based on whether we did the right ruling or not. It's not about the law. It's not about how you prayed. It's about your akhlaq, the akhlaq behind it. What were the values behind it? It's all about values. That's where the acceptance comes. And if Allah accepts your deeds, then they will have weight. And if Allah does not accept, then it will be of no weight. You can you know, pray as many rakahs as you want. You can do as many khatmas as you want. You can give as much charity as you want. You can do as many hours of voluntary work. But if it's not purely for Allah's sake, if you don't have the right intentions, it will be just like that mountain, menfush. It will be like foam. And so, you know, just a quick refresher on the previous surah. So let's start... To Today's surah, inshallah. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillahir Rahman rahim Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts off by saying, Al-Hakum al-Takathur. It's a very strong statement. Al-Hakum al-Takathur. Al-Hakum comes from the root word lahu, which means distraction. Pretty much distraction. And interestingly, in French, the word for entertainment is distraction. Literally. And the French got it right. They called entertainment distraction. Literally, that's what it is. And so... Allah is saying, Al-Hakum Al-Takathur. What has, what has deluded you? What has distracted you? Al-Takathur. What is Al-Takathur? It's accumulation. Wanting more and more and more and more and more. From Kathra. You know? Takathur is ala wazn tafa'al, which means you're competing with one another to accumulate more and more and more. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't answer what we're trying to accumulate. He doesn't say, Al-Hakum Al-Takathur bil-mal. That you're competing in money. Al-Hakum al-Takathur bil-Awlaad. Al-Hakum al-Takathur bil-Sayarat. He doesn't say what we're competing for more. He's not saying, he's leaving it blank. Which means what? In general, the human being is distracted by accumulating. So the question now is, what is it that is distracting us from accumulating? And what is this thing that we are accumulating? That Allah is, is... rebuking here. He's calling it negative accumulation. Because we know that accumulation of good deeds is a good thing, right? Accumulation of salah is a great thing. Accumulation of understanding the book of Allah and accumulation of sadaqat is a good thing. Allah here is saying that al-hakum takathur competing for worldly things, material things, has distracted you. And here Allah is saying that anything that's distracting you from the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to be of no use to you. It's going to be a distraction and it's going to get you into the habit of competing with one another. And you're, we're living in these times nowadays, these material times where people are consistently, all they're concerned about is accumulation of wealth, 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 right? The next promotion, the next upgrade, the next car, the next bigger house, the next you know, country I'm going to visit for the summer holidays. It's all about the next, what, what do you want to strive for more? And the previous surahs we learned that 
Right? The insan, he is, he loves this wealth. And this khair, we said it was the wealth. And so the question now is, let's clarify a misconception. Is Islam against money and accumulation of money? No, not at all. But here Allah is saying, when money becomes a distraction from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then we have a problem. When you become a billionaire with the intention of just accumulating worldly fame and worldly you know, materialism and buying the next thing and just saving up for yourself and being greedy, that's a problem. But on the other good side, you can have a millionaire, a billionaire, who with this wealth, he is serving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with that. He is supporting the poor. He is building orphanages. He's building hospitals and schools and helping the people of need. This is great. This will be of great weight on the Day of Judgment. Here Allah is saying anything that you accumulate that distracts you from the pleasure of Allah. And the previous surah we also talked about the fact that Allah wants our entire life to be purely for Him. Not just our ibadat. This is another misconception. We think that ikhlas or intent, pure intentions and sincerity is only required when it comes to worship. No. Allah wants our sincerity and clear intentions when it comes to you at work. By making sure you're working fairly, you're not cheating your boss, you're not conducting haram business. Allah wants you to be fair when it comes to driving on the road and being sincere with Allah that you're not going to you know, disobey the traffic or you're not going to break any rules or you're not going to, through your bad manners, hurt anybody's feelings. So it's, it's a very holistic view of intentions. Ya Allah... Whatever I'm doing, I'm doing for your sake. I'm praying for your sake. I'm going to study for your sake. I'm working for your sake. I'm getting married for your sake. I'm getting children for your sake. I'm going to the mall for your sake. I'm buying that car for your sake. You know? Everything you do, I'm sleeping for your sake. I'm going to the gym for your sake, Ya Allah. Everything to please Him. And anything that we do with Him not being in the picture, that's, here Allah is saying, that's distraction. That is complete distraction. And so, you know, the biggest excuse we have of people not remembering Allah is we're busy, right? Busy. Busy doing what? Busy either at work, right? Working extra hours. Busy with your business. Busy with watching movie after movie after movie. Busy after a YouTube video after a YouTube video after a YouTube video. Busy on Facebook. Busy on Twitter. Busy on a video game. When's the next video game going to come out? And we're just busy accumulating these worldly things that are distracting us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? Now I'm not saying entertainment is haram, right? Entertainment is needed and the human being needs rest. He needs a break. We're not saying you need to spend 24-7 in the masjid reading Quran. But what we're saying is don't, don't let this entertainment distract you from Allah. You can still go to the gym, gym with the intention to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by being healthy. You can still go to college with the intention of pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you want to gain knowledge so you can be of someone of intellect. You can still, through your halal business, earn Allah's pleasure. You can do that. But it's about being aware of it consciously. And this surah will talk about that. And so, the human being has desires to accumulate. Accumulate wealth, accumulate cars, accumulate you know, real estate and property and, you know, savings and in some cases children, in some cases wives. People like to have wife after wife after wife and, you know, for them it's just about the next, what's the next asset I can own? What's the next thing of value that I can own? And, you know, we're competing with one another. 
When this competition happens in worldly things, that's the problem. Allah, what did He say about Rahiq al Makhtum, that drink on the Day of Judgment that has khitamuhu misk? Allah said, Wafi dhalika faliyatanafas al mutanafisun. Remember that? In that is what we're supposed to compete. We're supposed to compete for that drink, i.e., Jannah, i.e., the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not in worldly things. What has happened to our societies nowadays and, our, and the Muslims in general? We're competing with one or we see our, you know, our cousin, he had a lavish wedding. I want to have a better wedding. Bigger hall, more people, more band baja, right? My you know, cousin traveled to London this, you know, last summer. I'm going to go to you know, New York next summer. I'm going to do better than him. My, my friend just got a BMW. I'm going to get a Mercedes. My, my friend's kids are going to so-and-so private school. I'm going to send my kids to an even more expensive school. My kid went to this college. I'm going to send my kid to an Ivy League college. Just to, make, just to prove a point that my children are better than yours. My children wear better clothes than your children. My children have you know, better education than your children. It becomes a worldly competition. And we're stuck in this. We're stuck in this materialism, you know? Allah is saying you're competing for the wrong reason. You've gotten it wrong. Your focus is on something else. Your priorities are wrong. Compete. Use dunya to earn the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Use this dunya. Send your kids to the best schools. You know, earn more money. Whatever you want. Enjoy this life, but to upgrade your life in Jannah. Aim for competing in Jannah. Aim for a higher level of Jannah. That's what Allah is saying here. So this, this sort of competition that's distracted us, it's kept us busy. And Allah talks about it in Surah Al-Jum'ah, that people literally, Rasulullah was giving a khutbah, in the middle of the khutbah, a caravan of trade came. Some sahaba literally left the khutbah. Why? Because that trade caravan was coming by and it was a chance for them to make deals. And so Allah tells them that you left Rasulullah to go and trade. What Allah has is better than entertainment and tijara. During, during Jum'ah, leave that distraction. Don't let that stuff distract you. And you know, in the age of you know, smartphones and you know, social media and, and TV and satellite TV and TV shows and YouTube, there's so much distraction that's bombarding us. It's corrupting our hearts, corrupting our minds. And we have become people of ghafla. This is what shaitan wants. He wants us to live in this delusion. He wants to blind us from the reality. And you know, Umar he said a very nice thing. He says, An-nasu niyam. An-nasu niyam. People are sleeping. But when they die, they wake up. Subhanallah. He said, they will wake up when they die. Because when you die, when the angel of death comes to you, that's when you realize, oh man, I was competing for the wrong things. All the wealth I accumulate, it's not going to go with me in the grave. All the cars I have parked in my garage, it's not coming with me. All the inheritance that I was fighting over with my brothers, it's not coming with me in the grave. All the property, it's not coming. None of that is coming. I'm going alone in my grave. So literally, people are sleeping, they're dreaming of this fake world where you know, everyone's striving for the next thing. Allah is saying, when you die... Or Umar said when people, or Ali ibn Abi Talib said this, that people when they die, that is the moment when they will wake up. For the most part, people of ghafla. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that on the day of judgment, 
hadid. On that day, your basar, your eyes will be hadid. It will be sharp. Because you will see things for reality. You will appreciate things for reality. You will know that, yes, death is a reality. You will know that the day of judgment is a reality. But what has shaitan done? He, he has deluded us. He has made us compete for zina. And this you know, word zina is, meant, is repeated like four times in Surah Al-Kahf, which is a surah we read every Friday. Why? Because constantly we're just competing for that decoration. Allah is saying, this, world, this worldly thing that you're competing for is just like decoration, it's zina. And what do we do with zina once the party's over? We remove it, right? It's temporary. Allah similarly is saying, this dunya that you're competing after, this life, lifestyle of dunya, is a decoration, it's zina, it's just you're being deluded, you're being distracted for the wrong reasons. So distracted from what? Allah doesn't mention here. min From what? It's blank. So what, what are the things? Number one, Allah's you know, reminding us that number one, we have forgotten ourselves. The number one thing that this distraction is distracting us from is ourselves. Remember the importance of the ruh, the needs of the ruh, the spiritual needs of the human being. The spiritual food that the ruh needs. We're all cons- constantly concerned about our body and make sure we're eating food and having showers and external cleanliness. External cleanliness. That's all we're concerned about. Allah is saying, what about the ruh? Who's going to take care of that? Who's going to keep that clean? Who's going to do tazkiyah to that ruh, that purification? And so we've forgotten ourselves, number one. Number two, forgotten our purpose in life. This you know, accumulation of worldly materialistic things has forgotten us or has made us forget our purpose of life. What is the purpose of our life? To, to do good deeds on this world, to fix this world, al-islah. You know, Adam alayhi salam was created not to, not to spread bloodshed and corruption, right? He was there to do the opposite, to spread peace and justice. That's what the angels thought. But Allah said, no, 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 inni a'lamu ma la ta'lamun. I know what you don't know. This human being has huge potential. I blew into him from my ruh, and with this ruh, if he gets the right balance with fitrah, he will be able to do amazing things on earth. He will solve all the problems of earth. He will fix the conflicts that are there. He has the potential. And so every human being, that's his purpose of life. To use his talent, his gifts, whatever Allah has gifted you, you use that to earn your jannah in paradise. You have a project in life, you have a vision, something that you can do for this deen, something that you can do to please Allah subhanahu wa something that you can do for humanity. Like Steve Jobs said, like leave a dent in the universe. Solve humanity's problems. And through that you earn Allah's pleasure. This is really our purpose. But what is that person who is accumulating al-hakmu takathur, the one who is just doing takathur, he's distracted from this reality, this purpose. He doesn't realize what his purpose is. He has forgotten Allah. He has forgotten the message of the Quran. Distracted from the Quran, Allah is saying. This book that's lying on the shelves. Allah is saying, this takathur has distracted you from the Quran. From my message. The last message to humanity. People today, number one excuse for not reading Quran or not spending time understanding the Quran. No time. Why? Because we're busy. Busy with what? Things that are of higher priority for us. Allah is saying, what could be of a higher priority than reminding yourself of my message? This Qur'an, this miracle, this final miracle of the Prophet. What could be a bigger priority? What could be a bigger priority than knowing what your purpose in life is? 
What could be a bigger priority than cleaning your heart? What could be a bigger priority than giving your, your soul some spiritual food, some remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So we've forgotten all these things. What else has this takathur distracted us from? Death. Death. We have forgotten death. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ gave us an advice. He said, go and visit the graves. It will remind you of death. And the Prophet ﷺ said that death is hadim al the destroyer of temptations. What is the biggest problem of the youth today? Why are people distracted? Why are people so hooked to entertainment? Because entertainment is encouraging shamelessness. And you know, these temptations and desires and attraction and this lust that he, the human being has, that's what the entertainment is, is doing. That's why it's so addictive and so attractive. And so the Prophet's advice was go and visit the graves, it will destroy these temptations. Go often. How often do we go visit the graves? You know? Maybe there's this tradition here on Eid, you go to the graves. Yeah. I don't know where they come from, but it's good, yani. at least you have twice a year you're going as a minimum. That's good. Yani. But the idea here is visit the graves more. Remember death. Death destroys temptation. And subhanAllah, shaitan's biggest weapon is this temptation, this lust. And subhanAllah, I'll, I'll just share with you one interesting point in Surah Al-A'raf where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us what the mission of Iblis is or was, when he made Adam and Hawa eat from the tree. You know what his mission was? He says in Surah Al-A'raf, لِيُبْدِيَ لَهُمَا مَا عَنْهُمَا مِنْ سَوْآتِهِمَا His mission of making Adam and Eve eat from the tree was so that they could expose their, their shame, so that they could literally be, you know, Stripped off from their clothes So that they could expose their shame This was the objective of Iblis This is the strategy of Iblis The mission statement of Iblis To remove our clothes Why? Because when the clothes start coming off When the clothes start getting tighter and tighter When the clothes start getting you know, trans- More transparent and more transparent And the, the skirts get shorter and shorter And the you know, tops get whatever Tighter and tighter What happens? Shamelessness spreads and shamelessness is the biggest weakness of man. And once he gets us hooked to that, halas, bye-bye to iman. Forget, forget akhirah, forget your purpose in life, forget the remembrance of Allah, forget the Qur'an. Halas, he has succeeded. Mission accomplished. And so, you know, in Surah Al-Adiyat, Allah said, وَإِنَّهُ لِحُبِّ الْخَيْرِ لَشَدِيدٍ Another big thing that we forget is our role as being Abdullah, which is something that Allah keeps reminding us in Salah. Right? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. He's the master and the slave. That's the number one thing we're forgetting. We, Allah keeps reminding us, You're saying it in your Salah 17 times a day. Ya Allah, I am your slave. I dedicate my life for you. I'm living for your sake. I am ready to live in your, in your boundaries. I won't rebel. And in, in Rukua, we're saying, Subhana Rabbi al Azim. Subhana Rabbi al Azim. My master, my master, which means I'm your slave, I'm your slave. But we forget it. We're saying it. We have this knowledge in the back of our mind, but we're not conscious of it. We're not living our lives like true slaves of Allah. We want to have our own rules. We want to, you know, have our own comfort. We're part time slaves. In Ramadan, we become slaves of Allah. In the masjid, you're slave of Allah. But at home, at work, in the marketplace, on the road, no. 
So we become part-time slaves. Allah is saying you're forgotten. Al-hakmu takathur from your ultimate relationship with me. You have forgotten that you're my slave. This competition that you're, you're busy with for worldly things has distracted you from your ultimate role, your role of slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah says, Hatta zurtumul maqabir. When is this distraction going to be over? When you visit the graves. Hatta zurtumul maqabir. Until you visit the graveyards. And here there's two meanings of this ayah. Number one, literally when you visit the graveyards, what happens? This distraction goes away, right? Your eyes open up. You wake up from that dream and you see things for reality. You probably shed a few tears. That'll be a reminder for you when you see your friend, your uncle, your father in the grave. Right? For, for that day or two or three days, yes, you will be reminded. You will be conscious of the reality of this life. How short this life is. You know? How meaningless everything else is. This is where we'll end up. But then after three, four days, what happens? After one week, two weeks, distraction again, right? We get sucked back into that system of distraction. The other beautiful meaning of this is that that distraction will end when we visit our graves. Now, why did Allah say zurtum? It's interesting. Zurtum is uh, from the root word zara, which means to literally visit someone. Now, when we visit someone in a house, do we stay for, for a long time? No, you go for a couple of hours, you know? You probably have some chai, coffee, pani, whatever, have some tea, and then you leave. Similarly, Allah used, chose the word zurtum. Why? Because are we in the grave forever or temporarily? We're there for a temporary time. And we learn from a hadith that the time, literally, from the moment you die until the day of judgment will, will be like a short nap between dhuhr and asr prayer. That's how fast time will pass by. We won't feel it. It could be a thousand years, ten thousand years, but that's how fast it's going to be. And so ziyara is a perfect word for this. Hatta zurtum al-maqabir. And what's interesting is the Arabs, subhanAllah, even the graveyards, they used to compete in the graveyards. You know what they used to do? They would boast and say, see that qabr, that is a warrior from our tribe. He's, he was better than your tribe. See that warrior, that man, he died and he defeated your army. So they would do takathur in the graveyards, the Arabs, subhanAllah. Allah is saying, even in the graveyards, you have been distracted. That's how messed up the Arabs were pre-Islam. So literally, visiting the graves will make us realize how life was so you know, meaningless. And all this running that we're doing after is meaningless. Then Allah says, No, you will soon come to know. No, again. There's no doubt about it. You will soon come to know. Now, the question here is, why did Allah repeat it twice? The Mufassirun have a beautiful insight into this. They say that the first kalla sawfa ta'lamun is when we die. We will come to know things for reality. Things will start becoming clear for us. And then the second sawfa ta'lamun is when we will be raised on the day of judgment. Then you will really see things for reality. Then you will really realize that all that running after was for nothing. It was on, that's like that mountain, right? You are accumulating all that wealth, all that greed, all that fame, and all these worldly things that were not connected to Allah, it will be of nothing, no use. So, two kalla sawfa ta'alamun. Then Allah says, kalla law ta'alamuna ilm al If only, no. If only. You knew 
you had the knowledge of certainty, ilmul yaqeen. If you only had ilmul yaqeen. And here there's three, ta- three levels of yaqeen. You got to know this stuff, okay? So yaqeen, and we'll talk about yaqeen in a second, but I just wanted to explain to you what are the three levels of yaqeen. There is ilmul yaqeen, knowledge of yaqeen. You just have knowledge of something. And then aynul yaqeen, when you see something, you have a bit higher level of certainty because you've seen it now. And then the third and highest level is haqqul yaqeen. That is when you experience it. And an example that I usually give is of seeing or hearing about a fire. You heard that there is a warehouse that's on fire somewhere in Sitra. Okay? Now that's called what? That's called ilmul yaqeen. You just have knowledge of it. Someone sent you a text. There is a fire. Are you 100% sure about it? No, you have knowledge. So it's, it's, this is like the most basic level of yaqeen. But then when you drive past that fire, you see smoke. Now you've seen something. So now this is a higher level of certainty. This is called aynul yaqeen. But when will you really know there is a fire? What is haqqul yaqeen? Haqqul yaqeen is when you go so close to the fire, you can actually feel the fire. When you try to touch it and it burns your finger. That's called experience. That's when you live it. Then you really know this is no illusion. This is no camouflage. This is the, a real fire. I've tasted it. I know what it's like. So these are the three levels. Allah here is saying, He's telling us that if only you had proper ilmul yaqeen, if you only had some proper knowledge, if you had this solid conviction, ilmul yaqeen. And ilmul yaqeen is about intellect, right? Allah is reminding us of the blessing of the intellect He gave us. Remember it came up in the previous surahs? The blessing of the, of the intellect of the human mind. Why doesn't the human mind think? Why doesn't he think about his purpose in life? Why doesn't he think about why he was created? Why doesn't he think about the Day of Judgment? We have become so busy and distracted, we don't have time to think. We don't have time to think. We have time for maximum 2-3 minute videos now on WhatsApp. If it's a 10 minute video or a 15 minute video, you don't bother you don't bother watching it, right? No time. Our you know, attention span is so short. We've become like the Instagram generation, right? Everything is just instant knowledge, instant information, you know, short text messages. What's, you know, Twitter has limited characters. I can't handle more. I don't have time to think about big things. And you know, I'll tell you that there's three sizes of minds, okay? And you need to categorize yourself. Just like there's large, medium, and small pizza, we have large, medium, and small size minds. Large minds think about big things. They think about purpose of life. They think about meaningful things. They think about ideas, how to fix the problems of the world. These are large minds. Medium minds, all they think about is people. They talk about people. They gossip. They follow news of celebrities. You know? They talk about so-and-so. They talk about politics and people and how corrupt things are. They're talking about people. As for small minds, bichare, you know, these small minds, poor guys, all they can talk about is things. Things, gadgets, the next phone, the next shoe, the next abaya, the next bag, the next game, the next movie. That's, that's all they talk about. The next car, you know, that's all they talk about. Do you know people like that? Yeah, many, many people. They're just indulged in things, things, things. They buy magazines of gadgets and stuff. They know what's going on, you know, everything about the latest gadgets, when the next one's coming out, what's the next upgrade. 
Think, 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 think. That's, that's how small the brain is. So Allah is saying, Ilm al yaqeen. Where's your knowledge of this yaqeen? This certainty. And you know, let's talk a little bit about yaqeen. You know, we're living in, in times where everything is materialistic. Everything is about the physical world, right? We're completely disconnected from the spiritual world. But it, it's so ironic because our deen is primarily about what? Physical things or unseen things? Belief in Allah is physical or, or unseen? It's not seen, right? Belief in the angels, seen or unseen? Belief in akhirah, seen or unseen? Jannah, seen or unseen? Everything is unseen. But yet, what are we doing takathir with? Seen things. Things that we can see. Anything about unseen, we just disconnect it. And this is a fitna that has started long, long back when the secular movement started, right? When, and people said, let's throw deen out of, let's throw religion out of the equation. Religion brings nothing but bloodshed. Religion is the opiate of the masses. It's all corruption. They, they got this from the Christian church, right? Which was technique, technically corrupt. It was very corrupt and therefore we don't blame them. They had a bad experience with religious people. But their problem was they generalized. All of deen is like that. So let's leave deen. Let's focus on dunya. Let's leave God. Let's start studying His creation. Let's stop studying God. Let's study creation. Let's start building cities. Let's start studying sciences. Let's start advancing technologically. Let's start going to the moon and Mars. Let's forget the ruh. Let's study the body. Let's study biology. Let's study psychology and sociology. Let's forget studying the akhirah. Let's build our dunya. And so we became people of materialism. And you know, interestingly, you know, the same Roman, you know, where Roman, uh, Roman Empire was based, that's where this, this ideology of secularism came out. They actually kicked out the Greeks. You know why? Because Greeks were people of thought. They were people of reason. And they started questioning, wait a second. What do you mean the Pope is infallible? What do you mean God is one and three also in Trinity? What do you mean Jesus is God and Jesus is the Son of God? And Jesus died on the cross, therefore God died on the cross. This stuff doesn't make sense. And so they started questioning because they were people of thought. And so what did the Romans do? They kicked them out. Literally, they kicked them out of the land. But then people got sick of this religion. That's telling them, forget, think, stop thinking, just follow your heart. Just follow blindly. Does the Quran call us to follow blindly? No, it's a balance of thought and spirituality. Thought, logic, and spirituality. It talks to the intellectual mind, and it talks to the spiritual mind. It's a great balance. This is the imbalance that the Jew, Jews had. Their, their study of the law was too dry. It was too... Um, physical, They're, they lost spirituality. What about the, the Christians? The Christians, they got too much into spirituality, lost the intellect, intellectual side of the things. And so, you know, what's interesting is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down Isa alayhi salam, and you know, his birth, was it something of the seen or the unseen? Something of the unseen, when you're born without a father. Now that's clearly a spiritual, it's a, it's an unseen thing. It's something that the mind cannot comprehend, right or no? And similarly, he spoke when he was a child. He said, Inni Abdullah, literally, quoted in the Quran in Surah Maryam. Inni Abdullah. He said it as he was a newborn baby. So this is of the seen or the unseen, this miracle? Unseen, right? 
Who is this? Who, this story is whose story? It's the, it's the story for the Christians, right or no? Allah is reminding them, don't forget that this religion is about the unseen. And if you open the Quran, if you open the Quran and you just start after Surah Al-Fatiha, which surah comes? Al-Baqarah, right? Just the first paragraph. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after Alif Lam Mim says that that book, ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابُ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِ هُدًا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ That book, there is no doubt about it, there is guidance for the muttaqin. Who are the muttaqin? Allah describes them. There is a list of things. Number one on the list, الَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ Those who believe in the unseen. That's number one. But what have we become? We have become people of materialism, of the seen world. Anything to do with spirituality, we don't have yaqeen anymore. That's why this concept of death doesn't come to our mind. The concept of akhirah and the day of judgment doesn't come to our mind. We forget Allah all the time. We forget the Qur'an. Because we're busy with doing takathar of worldly things, things of the physical world. You guys see how it's all connected, this thing? And so, you know, interestingly, Umar, he said that if the skies, look at his level of yaqeen, huh? look at his level of yaqeen. He said that if the skies opened up and you showed me Jannah and hellfire, my level of yaqeen would not increase a bit. He is as convinced of Jannah and Nar in the unseen as he is if it was, if it was revealed to him, subhanAllah. This is his level of yaqeen. And so, you know, ghayb and iman and ghayb, this level of yaqeen, unfortunately, we need to revive this level of yaqeen. We have information, we, we have ilmul yaqeen, but it hasn't become to the level of haqqul yaqeen. We have information that yes, death is coming, but it's just information. We don't have haqqul yaqeen. If we had haqqul yaqeen, would our attitude change about life? What do you think? Yes, right? Our attitude, the way we do things would change. But we have left it to ilmul yaqeen. That's the problem. That's really the, the problem we're facing now. And what we can do with yaqeen, actually yaqeen can be a source of energy and optimism for us if we truly had it in terms of our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we had true yaqeen that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a raziq, would anyone cheat in business? Would anyone conduct haram business if people truly had haqqul yaqeen that Allah will provide? No cheating, right? Cheating would stop. And in terms of the human being achieving his potential, if we had haqqul yaqeen that Allah will be on the side of the believer if he struggles for, for his cause, wouldn't people start achieving big things in life? But why does a human being not achieve big things? Or doesn't, why doesn't he aim high? He has doubts. I might fail, right? We have doubts. So our level of yaqeen is not there. And interestingly, you know, the... Disbelievers, what did they say to the Prophet ﷺ? Stop talking to us about unseen things. We want to see seen miracles. Remember that? They want to see Ainul Yaqeen. Now, Allah told us what? Who, which are other creatures that depend on Ainul Yaqeen? Animals, right? I gave you the example of the fire in the masjid. The human being, he is intellectual. If he hears that there's a fire, there's an announcement made, we'll all run out. Without even seeing it. As for the animal, he will only run out, or it will only run out when? When it sees. Okay? When it sees. And so, you know, we need to, just to give you another example of haqqul yaqeen, right? How we can achieve haqqul yaqeen. Let's say, for example, I told you that there is this, there's this uh, city that you have to visit. It's called 
Skardu, for example. Okay? Skardu, beautiful city. Now, probably mo many of you don't know where Skardu is, so what are you going to do? You're going to go on Wikipedia and search for it, right? When you search and read about it, you have what level of yaqeen now? Ilmul yaqeen. You have ilmul yaqeen. You have knowledge of the city. But then when I show you pictures of how beautiful the scenery there is and the, you know, the lakes and the, the beautiful snow and whatever. Now you, ha you saw pictures. Now you have aynul yaqeen. But then when you book a ticket to Pakistan and you, you know, fly to Islamabad and then from Islamabad to Skardu and you see Skardu, you spend three, four nights there. You smell the flowers there. You see in the mountains, you see the nature and the beauty. That is called what? Haqqul yaqeen. How does that translate into our relationship with Allah? Let me give you an example that's very, very um, real, right? The concept of giving sadaqah. Allah has said that sadaqah, ma naqasa malu min sadaqah. When you give sadaqah, when you help somebody, your money is not getting less. And you know, other hadiths confirm that this money will come back to you. Now, we have ilmul yaqeen of this, right? That's why the human being hesitates to give. But if we truly had haqqul yaqeen, that indeed this money is not getting less, it's only going to get more and more, wouldn't people start giving more sadaqat? Yes or no? So you see now how this is... Now, how do we get haqqul yaqeen in this? You need to practice. How do you practice? You start giving sadaqat and then you wait and analyze and wait for that money to come back in some other indirect way. And when it comes back, and you make that connection, then what happens? Haqqul yaqeen. Yeah, Allah, I tried it. I tried it. And it worked. And then, when you have haqqul yaqeen, you're going to give more. And the more yaqeen you have, the more stronger your iman gets. Yaqeen is a higher level than iman. So you have Islam, and then you have iman, and then you have yaqeen, which is like, this is where you really know and you're for sure, 100% sure that whatever Allah says is true. You know, another hadith, Allah, uh, Prophet ﷺ said that whoever leaves something, man taraka shay'an lillah, whenever you leave something for Allah's sake, Allah will most definitely replace it with something better. This is something I personally tried, you know. Back in the days when we were going through economic problems and financial problems in 2008-2009, you know, jobs were tough to get. And I was getting this really attractive offer at one conventional bank. Very attractive, like double the salary, bonuses, and all these attractive schemes. And so very tempting, you know, in times like that. But I left it. I didn't go for it. And, you know, two years later, Allah compensated me something much better. Better salary, better offer, better package, better everything. It happens. And I'm sure you all have your own personal stories of how Allah, you know, rewards you in this dunya with things. And so, you know who makes us forget these, to make this connection though? Shaitan. You know, you probably have given sadaqah like five years ago and Allah has helped you in some other way. But you know who made you forgot, forget to make the connection? Shaitan. If you only thought about it, you used your intellect and you thought about it, and you connected the dots, you would realize, aha, I got the blessing of this child because I helped that person that day. Or I got a promotion in my job here because of that help I did to that brother. Or that moment where I gave sadaqah. Or, you know, the Prophet said that, when you're sick, 
you have sick people, sick relatives, give sadaqah, it will heal them. How many of us have ilm al yaqeen of this? Yes. All of us know this. Probably all of us know this hadith. How many of us apply it? You know, we, first thing we do is go to the doctor, right? If we had haqq al yaqeen, first thing we do is sadaqah, then go to the doctor. I'm not saying not, don't go to the doctor. I'm saying haqq al yaqeen. That's the level that we need to reach. When you reach that level, then you know, we will be people of productivity. People who aim high and we have certainty. Ya Allah, I know you're going to help me with that. You have no, not a shadow of a doubt. And even, you know, the du'as of Ramadan. Allah is saying, make du'a in Ramadan, last ten nights. These are the time, times of du'a. We have ilmul yaqeen that Allah will answer. But if we had haqqul yaqeen, what would we be making du'a for? Much, much bigger things, right or no? If Allah is saying, ask and I will give you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes down the last third of the night every day. Asking all his slaves, ask me and I shall give you. Every single day, last third of the night, Allah is coming down. How many of us have ilmul yaqeen of this? Pretty much all of us know. We have knowledge, right? Allah does come down. But why don't we wake up? Because what's missing? Haqqul yaqeen. We haven't reached that level. If we reach that level, then trust me, not a single night would pass by and you would not take advantage of that. Because we are all in need of things, right? We all need things. We are all weak in certain areas of our life where we need Allah to help us. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, الجحيم. If you had proper certainty, الجحيم. Most, no doubt about it, you will see the hellfire. Now here it's interesting here. Jahim is actually the stare of a lion that's about to pounce on you. It's a very horrific scene. Allah is describing the hellfire as a lion that's staring at you, about to attack you. And here, لَتَرَوُنَّ الْجَحِيمِ means no doubt about it, you will see it. There's two interpretations of this. One, literally on the day of judgment, believers and non-believers, all of us, Allah will make us see the hellfire. It'll be a means of psychological torture for the disbelievers. As for the believers, it will be for us to appreciate the favor of being protected from it. But Allah says, وَإِن مِنْكُمْ إِلَّا وَارِدُهَا Every single one of you, you will see that fire. But then the disbelievers will be taken away from it. They will go to Jannah. As for the disbelievers, they will sit around the hellfire. Jathia. Surah Al-Jathia talks about this. They will sit on their knees, surrounded on the hellfire. So that's one interpretation of this. The other interpretation of this, which is even more beautiful, is that if you had true yaqeen about the hellfire, then anything in this dunya that would get you into the hellfire... When you see it, you would see hellfire in it. Let me give an example. Haram business. Someone comes and offers you a, a very attractive deal to run a haram business. He shows you that deal, that presentation. If you have haqq you know what you'll see in that presentation? Hellfire. Would you sign that contract? You won't sign it. Your friend sends you a shameless video. We have haqqul yaqeen that this will destroy my iman, my heart, my spirituality. You know, being a muttaqi, you need to protect your heart. So that video, you'll see some pop-ups, maybe some title. If you have haqqul yaqeen, what will you see in that video? You will see, لَتَرَوُنَّ الْجَحِيمِ in that video, and you will not open it. You guys get the idea? 
And this will be your protection. When you reach that level of yaqeen, this is your protection in this dunya. Anything that threatens your iman, anything that threatens your taqwa, you see hellfire in it. You see hellfire in it. You won't go, you won't go near it. That is the level of yaqeen. And then, ثُمَّ لَتَرَوُنَّهَا عَيْنَ الْيَقِينَ Allah is saying that one day you will reach that level of عَيْنُ الْيَقِينَ When will that be? On the day of judgment. When you see it, you said that you wanted to see it, right? In dunya, the disbelievers are saying, we want to see it, show it to us. Allah is saying, you will see it that day. But that day, it will be too late. It will be too late. You, you were busy in dunya doing takathur. On that day, when you see it, it's going to be game over. Now, on the positive side, right, to make a bit, things a bit more optimistic, you can apply the reverse psychology also. When a poor person comes and asks you for money, if you have haqqul yaqeen, you will see jannah in that person. And you will want to run and give him money. When you get an opportunity to do a good deed, you will see jannah in that. When your friend said, come, we're, we're just, you know doing this voluntary work or this project we have, you will see Jannah in that and you will run towards it. You won't be lazy. It won't be ilmu al-yaqeen. It will be haqqul yaqeen. Yes, ya Allah, I'll do it. Let me just share with you some ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ that unfortunately is ilmu al-yaqeen for us, not haqqul yaqeen. The Prophet ﷺ said that Jannah is at the feet of your parents, your mother especially, right or no? How many of us know this? We have ilmu al-yaqeen, right? But how many of us have haqqul yaqeen that literally our mothers, their feet, jannah? How much time are we spending with them? How, are, how is our relationship with our mothers? You know, are they satisfied with us? Are they happy with us? Are you being kind to them? Or are you too busy with takathur? Another example, the Prophet ﷺ said, you read Surah Al-Ikhlas ten times, I'll build for you a house in jannah. How many of us have heard that hadith before? No? Okay, so you don't have even ilmul yaqeen about this. You're safe. Now you know it. Now you have ilmul yaqeen. Okay? A house in Jannah. Now, what do people compete for in this dunya? What's the number one dream that every bachelor has? House, right? That's one of the biggest problems of this country, right? The housing problem. People don't want to stay in flats. The house. Allah is saying, read ten times Surah Al-Ikhlas. Through the Prophet ﷺ, I would build for you a house in Jannah. Now, do you believe the Prophet ﷺ? Question. We're supposed to, right? How much do you believe him? How much yaqeen do you have that this hadith? It is, I'm, I'm quoting you all. I've already done the homework. They're all hadith, sahih, authentic. Okay? So you don't have to worry about that. But do you believe the Prophet ﷺ when he says, read ten times Surah Al-Ikhlas, I will build for you a house in Jannah? Just, just think about it. Yeah. Or is it just ilmu al-yaqeen? Yeah, house in Jannah. Yeah. House in Jannah. So if we're not doing this at least once a day, there's something wrong, right? Minimum, yani, one house a day, 365 houses a year. Not bad in Jannah. Not like the house of dunya where there's a lot of maintenance and electricity bill and water leak and, you know, Wear and tear. None of that. The Prophet ﷺ said that, listen to this hadith, okay? Whoever enters the mall shopping, okay? We all pretty much go shopping, now Eid is coming. Whoever says as he's entering the mall, 
لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد يحيي ويميت وهو حي لا يموت بيده الخير وهو على كل شيء قدير Whoever says this statement, how, how long did it take? 20 seconds, 10 seconds, yeah? You know what he's going to get? Hadith Sahih كتب الله له ألف ألف حسنة Allah will write for him 1,000, 1,000 حسنات What's 1,000 times 1,000? A million حسنات Okay, it doesn't stop there ورفع له ألف ألف درجة And he will elevate him 1,000 times 1,000 levels What's 1,000 times 1,000? A million levels higher ومحى عنه ألف ألف سيئة And he will delete his sins 1,000 times 1,000 times One million sins deleted وَبَنَى لَهُ بَيْتًا فِي الْجَنَّةِ And he will build for him a house in Jannah. Now that's what I call a deal. That's a deal. This is Allah's deal for us. For saying one statement that takes less than 15 seconds. Subhanallah. But we have ilm yaqeen now. The question is how many of us are going to go to the Haqqul Yaqeen. You know? Whoever says, Subhanallah, Walhamdulillah, Wala ilaha illallah, Wallahu Akbar. It took me 10 seconds, right? Everyone say it. Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. Mabruk. You just planted a tree in Jannah for you. It's done. It's done. There's no doubt about it. Anyone doubting here? Anyone has a doubt? No doubt. The Prophet said, any group of people sitting together in a majlis to remember me by studying the Quran, angels will be hanging around with us and listening to this dars. We have ilmul yaqeen. How many of you have haqqul yaqeen that angels are literally in this place, this moment, listening to the stairs with us. Any doubts? They're here. It doesn't stop there. Allah said He is remembering us by name in a gathering better than this. By name. Ali, Ishraq, Kazi, Fayaz, Namshid, by name. Asif. By name, Allah is mentioning us. What an honor. You know, for Obama to call you, like, call your name in his speech, it's a big deal, right? What about when Allah calls you by name? That's, that's, that's a real honor. So Allah is saying, ثُمَّ لَتَرَوُنَّهَا عَيْنَ الْيَقِينَ And then, ثُمَّ لَتُسْأَلُنَّ يَوْمَئِذٍ عَنِ النَّعِيمِ Let's wrap it up. And then, when you see the hellfire for real, when you see it, when you have yaqeen and seeing it, then Allah is saying, ثُمَّ لَتُسْأَلُنَّ يَوْمَئِذٍ عَنِ النَّعِيمِ On that day, you will be asked about Naim. There is no doubt, no doubt about it, you will be asked about Naim. What is Naim? All the blessings of dunya that He gave you. We will be asked about it. And one of the biggest blessings, the Prophet ﷺ said, the two biggest blessings that we have been given, Free time and health. Free time and health. 
What are we doing with our time? You know, we'll be asked about every minute. Did we waste it in, in takathur and accumulating entertainment, accumulating, you know, temptations and desires, accumulating money, accumulating fame, accumulating, you know, status? Or did we accumulate good things for that? And, and health also. Because without health, your life is a misery, right? You can't enjoy anything. You're going to be from doctor to doctor, from, you know, pharmacy to pharmacy, checkup to checkup. You can't do anything. So you will be asked, Allah is saying, you will be asked about na'im. And na'im, constant blessings, gifts that Allah has given you. What did you do with it? You know, this brings me to the conclusion now. Allah wants us to use these gifts that He has given us for His sake. He will ask us about that. Whatever talent you have been given, whether you're an accountant, whether you are a physician, you're a doctor, you're an engineer, you're someone who Allah has given the gift of talking or writing or speaking or whatever talent it is, if you are using that talent for takathur only, for your own gain, for worldly accumulation of money, it will be of no benefit. Allah will ask you about it. I gave you this gift. What did you do with it? Why don't you use it to, to solve the world's problems? Why don't you do it to... Why don't you think beyond yourself? Why were you so selfish with that? Why don't you make a difference in humanity? Why don't you try to solve problems of humanity? You're too busy with yourself. So this na'im, all these blessings, Allah will ask us, all these luxuries that we're living in, are we being appreciative of Him or no? You know, lastly, I wanted to remind you also of a, a, a different ayah where Allah says that, لَا تُلْهِكُمْ أَمْوَالُكُمْ وَلَا أَوْلَادُكُمْ عَنْ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ Don't let your money and your children distract you from Allah's remembrance. A lot of people misunderstand this ayah. And they say, خلاص, I will leave my children and money. I'll go to the masjid and read Quran and do dhikr. That's not what it's saying. What he's saying is that sometimes people, when they have children and money, they start only thinking about dunya things. They start competing with their children and dunya-related things. Our children are supposed to be, our niyyah to bring children should be, Ya Allah, I want them to be a source of good for me. I want them to be a sadaqah jariyah for me. So that when I die in my grave, they are doing good deeds that will be in my commission on the Day of Judgment. And this concept of sadaqah jariyah is really amazing, you know. You give something that continues after you die. That is the real investment. That is the real investment. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, you know, make us people who have haqqul yaqeen, people who, you know, inshallah, are benefiting from this month. You know, this month, the month of Ramadan, is, is the opportunity for us to really shift gears and to really change the course of actions. I mean, we're studying this Qur'an, we're studying Allah's words, not just for entertainment, guys. It's not for us just to say, ah, mashallah, nice dars, it was really nice, zakallah khair, brother. And khalas, you go back to your, to your same lifestyle. This is the month of change. The Qur'an is supposed to change us. That's the miracle of the Qur'an. If after hearing all of this, we're not changing, we're not, you know, our attitude is not changing, the way we see the world, the way our actions are not changing, then, then there's... You need to ask yourself some questions. You know, I always see, you know, Ramadan. Imagine there's someone who is in debt for 10 million dinars, okay? Just put yourself in this situation. You're in debt for how much? 
10 million dinars in the minus, okay? All of a sudden, this man comes to you and says, he's a billionaire, he says, brother, I'm willing to pay off all your debts. All of it. But I want you, from this day onwards, to promise me that you will not get a loan, that you will start saving money, that you will start conducting halal business, that you will start you know, investing your money, you start being careful about your spendings. Okay, he, that's the deal. You sign with him. You're like, mashallah, jazakallah khair, brother. Seriously, $10 million, you're, you're clearing up my debt? He says, yeah, I'll do it. Just do these five things for me, please. Deal? Deal. He settles your debt. Next week, you go and get a car loan. You go and get a jet ski loan. You get a housing loan. You start wasting money. You start spending money. You start going in the minus, 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 minus again. What do you call such a person? What would you call him? Ungrateful? Right? Useless? Disloyal? Not deserving? Right? This is what we're doing with Allah every Ramadan, guys. We come into Ramadan with 10 million in minus in terms of sins and, and things that we're not doing. Right or no? And then Allah says, I'm willing to delete all your sins. I'm willing to clear your record. But just promise me that after Ramadan, you will start doing good things. You will start to get your act together. You start being more appreciative. Start knowing what your purpose is. Start doing good things in life. Start living a meaningful life. Start helping people. Stop being selfish. Stop being arrogant. Stop being someone who's ignorant. Start connecting to the Quran. At least pray five times a day. Be good to your parents. Have good akhlaq. This is the message of the Quran. And we say, Ya Allah, we'll do it. We'll do it. And we cry, Ya Allah, sure, sure, we'll do it. Just clear all my sins. Clear all my sins. Okay. Cleared. Ya Allah, go. Eid. What happens in Eid? We start going back to the same. One week later, two weeks later, one month later, six months later, what's happened? Back. 10 million came to 20 million, yeah. We got into the comfort zone. But then the next year, Ramadan comes again, Allah says, ah, remember the deal? You messed up, huh? It's okay. I'll give you the deal again. I love you. I want you to go to Jannah. I know you messed up, but I still love you, okay? You promised to do it this year? And say, ya Allah, I'm so sorry, you know, you're embarrassed, you feel bad. You know, Sharminda, right? Ya Allah, I messed up. This year, I won't do it. And he says, okay, khalas. I trust you. He deletes all your sins. But then what does a human being do again? Back, right? How embarrassing this is. This is what's happening year after year after year. How many Ramadans has passed in your lives? For some of us, 10, 15, 20 years, right? Same cycle. Has Allah given up on us? Has he given up on us? Has a year come where he says, you know what, you, khalas, you're useless, man. You're just playing games with me. You're not serious. You're taking advantage of my mercy. You're out. He never does that. This is Allah's rahmah with us, guys. This is the month where, inshallah, yani, I, I pray that this Ramadan will be that Ramadan of transformation for all of us, inshallah. Where, khalas, we, we let go. We do hijrah. 
This is really hijrah for us. From the old lifestyle to the new you, the new lifestyle, inshallah. Khalas, it's about time. You know, how many reminders do we want? We don't know if we're going to live till next Ramadan. Khalas, do it. Make a, a, a decision and just do it, guys. So, Jazakumullah khairan, subhanakallah wa bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant. Nasafirakum wa tubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.